Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And we're into extra time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Barry Guy. This week, the Rugby Championship gets underway with the opening Bledisloe Cup test in Sydney, while the Black Ferns prepare for an historic showdown with Australia. A surprise return to the Silver Ferns for a couple of veterans. Gary Stead takes over as Black Caps cricket coach, and Stephen Adams does his bit to inspire young New Zealand basketballers. All Blacks coach Steve Hansen named a largely predictable side to take on the Wallabies in the Bledisloe Cup opener in Sydney. Brodie Retallick and Kieran Reid returned to the side after lengthy breaks, while Crusaders midfielder Jack Goodhue was given the number 13 jersey in the absence of Sonny Bill Williams. Joining me is our rugby reporter Joe Porter. Joe, your thoughts on Goodhue getting the nod? Yeah, a lot of people expected Geordie Barrett to be restored to fullback. Of course, Ben Smith going to the wing and, and in the centres to stick with Anton Leonard-Brown. Far more experience, of course, than one test Jack Goodhue. Uh, the Bledisloe opener in Sydney, it's usually a bit of a cauldron, Australia's best chance typically, so it is going to be a pretty hostile environment. A big match to chuck a guy who's only had one test in before, but he's played alongside Ryan Crotty all season at the Crusaders. They're the champion, Super Rugby Championship winning centre combination. I, I think that's... that combination of familiarity between those two players and the fact that Goodhue had a good test against France in June and has had a good super campaign gets him the nod over Anton Leonard-Brown who Hansen has said that he feels plays his best rugby for the All Blacks so far off the bench. Yeah, it's an experience side. So look at the uh, the forward pack also. Uh, all the regulars are back. You know, uh, We had previously had a number of people out but it seems to be their top side. So how do you expect them to go against a Wallaby side that you know, they've gained some experience in recent times and um, should push them. Yeah, well, the Wallabies will be as bullish as they, I guess, can be or could be in recent years. They've got the best chance, I think. The Super Side slowly sort of caught back up a little bit this year. They've got a good core of solid international players there with, and, you know, guys returning like David Pocock. Um, you've got Michael Hooper, who's come right just in time, who's obviously a leader and a talisman as well as being one of the best breakdown forwards in the world. So those two will cause some real problems. David Pocock's been a bit of a nightmare for the All Blacks in the past, and of course he's just come back from a year off. So I think there'll be some some natural and probably deserved confidence within the Wallabies team. Sydney's not necessarily their best place to, to win, but in Australia, Bledisloe won, catch the All Blacks a little bit off guard when they're rusty. I'd say they've got a good chance. Um, they're paying a, a lot at the bookies, surprisingly, I thought, so probably worth chucking a bit of money on them, I reckon. Yeah, the Wallabies, David Pocock is uh, back, of course, and Michael Hooper, you know, a formidable loose forward or, or ball-gathering loose forwards there that'll uh, test uh, Kane and uh, Reed and the likes, Liam Squire. Um, I think that's probably going to be a key area as a turnover ball. Um, you know, the All Blacks normally um, make an advantage of turnovers that they might get at any any area of the field and make the most of it with their speed. Uh, um, but I think, you know, with, with Pocock um, and Hooper there, that they're going to get their fair share of ball as well. 
Defensively, as you mentioned, I think it is going to be key, and perhaps again, that's why they've gone for uh, the Crusaders midfield uh, as well. Um, a lot of high ball. Yeah. You know, they were talking about oh, yeah. uh, Ben Smith getting a fair bit at fullback and on the wings, but uh, Yuani, of course, um, he's reliable under the high ball, and Naholo, he's been there thereabouts for a long time also. So I think they can counter them. Okay, we did have a look at the uh, the odds, and the the Aussies were paying a fair bit of money, surprisingly, yeah. and you know I think perhaps um, unjustifiably. If, again, it's possibly just going to be in the last twenty minutes where the, the difference makers will come on. I think for the All Blacks, um, the Damien McKenzies, and mm. those that that that'll make a difference. But um, it, it's it's. Um, going to set up for the whole whole rugby championship uh, you know I, I personally think this is going to be the closest for, for quite a while I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how the Springboks go this year I think they're getting better yeah, also yeah, yeah. and a year out from the World Cup this is, this is going to be a, a mighty competition and thank goodness for that. It's been boring the last few years when the All Blacks have won everything before them and the press conferences have lasted all five minutes afterwards. No drama, no tension. So I'm, I really do hope the Aussies put up a, a decent shot, and I think they will this weekend. And you're right, the Aussies have got three areas where they'll look to gain ascendancy. The set piece, they've got some good scrummages and some good line-out forwards. The breakdown, like you say, they'll try and slow the All Blacks down, disrupt them at the breakdown, and stop the All Blacks from playing that high-tempo, high-pace, high-speed, wide game. Just slow it down and disrupt it as much as they can, get the All Blacks and Bowden Barrett on the back foot. And, of course, the high balls. They'll just put everything up on the wings and let Israel Folau chase. And we all know that Ben Smith's a master in the year, but that's one of Geordie Barrett's special skills. So without him... Naholo will get tested. There's no doubt the Aussies will see him as a weakness, potentially under the high ball, and somewhere that Israel can... Um, exploit. And I think that's probably another reason why Hansen has chosen Naholo for this game, because it's a big match where he's going to be put under a lot of pressure and they want to see how he responds. So, yeah, looking forward to it. And looking forward to the women's game, uh, the Black Ferns against uh, Australia, and it's going to be on uh, primetime TV, which is good because uh, most New Zealanders probably haven't had the opportunity to see the New Zealand, uh, the world champion New Zealand women's team uh, perform, but uh, they're the doubleheader in Sydney this weekend at Eden Park next weekend. Uh, a bit difficult, perhaps, because of my lack of um, uh, knowledge for the, the two sides, but um, by all accounts, I mean, I think there's five debutantes in the Black Ferns side, but uh, Glenn Moore has them uh, humming along and uh, has had some um, decent amount of time to get them ready, and I sort of think uh, against the Aussies, who will be better, they're the sixth-ranked team uh, in the world, um, that New Zealand uh, perhaps should be too strong. I'm expecting to see a fair bit of uh, mongrel, as you might call it, up front from the Black Ferns, and and that pace that they have known to, to get in sevens and in fifteens game should should get them through. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing the women's game also. Yeah, a sort of watermark, watershed, sorry, moment for them. The first time they're playing as semi-professionals after being getting given contracts for the first time this year by New Zealand Rugby. So that's a watershed moment. And, of course, it's historic. The doubleheaders against the Wallabies and the Wallaroos never happened before. So, yeah, great momentum behind the women's game at the moment. And they're finally getting some of the coverage they deserve. Five-time world champions, the number one ranked team in the world, the Wallaroos are number sixth ranked. So the Wallaroos have sort of said there's everything for the Black Ferns to lose and nothing for the home side to lose because there's no expectations. And that, that probably sums it up fairly well. The Black Ferns will want to win and win well in front of the New Zealand rugby public to stamp their mark and to keep 
I guess, building on the momentum they have have gained. But yeah, heavy, heavy favourites. You talk about the, the All Blacks being at short odds. Well, I think the All Blacks were $1.07 to four fifty ish Well, <clears throat> the Black Friends are $1.01 to the Wallaroos, 8 bucks. So they're even heavier favourites to win. And you would expect them to take uh, to defend the Laurie <clears throat> O'Reilly Memorial Shield, which they currently hold. So yeah, looking forward to that. And hopefully the Black Ferns come out and play like they should and s- smash these Wallaroos off the park and set up a good tone for the All Blacks and Wallabies after that. Cheers, Joe. Joe Porter, RNZ's rugby reporter. And this is Extra Time. New Zealand's biggest basketball star, Stephen Adams, is back in the country for his camps for aspiring young players. The country's only current NBA player will also fund an invitational game for 40 of the best high school players New Zealand has to offer. Despite his contribution, the question still lingers. Just when will the Kiwi, who is not just playing but excelling in the world's best basketball league, eventually play for his national team. Clay Wilson with this report. Russell, a talk to Stephen Adams. As New Zealand's most high-profile basketballer in history, Stephen Adams understands there are plenty in this country who want to see him in a black singlet. But for the meantime, the Oklahoma City Thunderstar has a message for those people. So if they're personal fans of mine, like, that's cool. But if you're a Tall Blacks fan, then support the Tall Blacks. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not playing for them. But if you are a fan of Torbex and play, I'm a fan of Torbex, then watch the Torbex, support them. You know what I mean? It's, a, it's still a country thing. These players are still going out there and playing for the country. That's great. There was hope ahead of recent games against Hong Kong and China, the former in his hometown of Rotorua, Adams might have already made his Torbex debut. He says he spoke to New Zealand coach Paul Henry, but preferred to continue contributing in another way. Definitely considered. I mean, I'm always in talks with Paulie and stuff like that. Yeah, but... Honestly, it's, it's just one of those things, and I always say it's like, you know, when the time is right and stuff like that, but I just get concentrated on just, like, helping the kids, honestly, mate. Because ultimately, the future, these kids that we're helping now, especially with this high-performance thing, they're going to make basketball in New Zealand better than what it is. I mean, it ain't, it ain't just me. This year, New Zealand's highest-paid sportsman has upped the ante in his desire to grow the game here from the ground up. Adams hopes his new high school invitational game will not only give talented teens much needed exposure, but teach valuable lessons he learned on his path to stardom. We have some people coming in and talking to them, educating them about the path that they that they can take and stuff like that. So it's it's much more than just like just playing. You know, that's that's cool. We know that you could play, but it's like the off court stuff. Can you like get that under control? Because that's that's probably the biggest factor. That's probably going to either propel them forward or just hold them back. It's a contribution that isn't just noticed in New Zealand. The shaggy-haired seven-footer has endeared himself to Oklahoma and NBA fans across America with his uber-Kiwi personality and no-nonsense play. Thunder Vice President of Corporate Communications Dan Mahoney says Adams has made a considerable impact. But we see it in our social media numbers, we see it in our web traffic, we see it you know, in TV numbers when games are broadcast here, uh, we see it in our merchandise sales, uh, jersey sales. We, we, we know that there's a great love of the NBA, and there always has been here, but now there's a, there's the fact that people in New Zealand now know where Oklahoma City is, that's very encouraging to us and, and, and it makes us feel really good. Adams also has that effect on the Kiwi kids benefiting from his programme. 12-year-old Tuhi came all the way from Paihia to attend today's camp. It's cool because he, he teaches us um, how to play basketball and his, how he plays in the NBA. Do you watch a lot of his games in the NBA? Yeah. And what do you think about him as a player? What do you like about Stephen Adams? 
or people call him, he's like a brick wall, especially in um, pick and roll. They'll just, he stands there for a screen and they just on the ground already. It's that ability to inspire and assist young players that will continue to drive Adams' contribution to basketball in this country. As for when that will extend to turning out for New Zealand, in his own unique way, Adams says the lines of communication between himself and Henare will remain open. Yeah, we have phones, mate. Yeah, give a little text back and forth. Yeah, just give a little buzz. Yeah, he helps me up, gives me an update on what's going on, situations, yada yada yada. With a World Cup just a year away, you can bet the Tallbacks coach will be ready and waiting for that decisive call. Moti Hotaka o Tiahiponei, Ko Clay Wilson aho. This is extra time. New Zealand netball veterans Casey Korpua and Laura Langman were this week recalled to the Silver Fern squad for the upcoming quad series. Nepal New Zealand CEO Jenny Wiley confirmed their return at a media conference and also revealed a head coach has yet to be recruited with the international season only four weeks away. Ravinda Hunia was there. With the reputation of the Silver Ferns hemorrhaging since they came away from May's Commonwealth Games medalists, drastic measures were needed to reinstall mana to the black dress. Today's announcement from Netball New Zealand CEO Jenny Wiley saw the return of two of its most revered players, retired international Casey Kopua and Silver Fern great Laura Langman. For Laura, I mean, it was really about her having a break from netball and I think she was being really clear that she needed some time out. And so the time is right for her to put her hand back up. Casey, she's always been clear that she's still wanting to be in the mix in some way, shape or form. And she made herself available. With no trials, the selection process was based on premiership performances. And while Korpua has featured, Langman, who wasn't present today, hasn't featured since her return from Australia. Rules clearly state you must be signed to a New Zealand franchise to be able to play for the national side. But for Wiley, desperate times call for desperate measures. Our eligibility does require you to have played in ANZ Premiership. And Laura hasn't played in the 2018 season and for that reason she has been uh, granted an exemption by the Netball New Zealand board. Former Silver Ferns captain Korpua admits it's been hard to watch the sides decline and says she feels a responsibility to come out of retirement. I don't think you know the girls never lost their money. It was just obviously it's just been a bad a bad time but the girls never stopped trying you know they would have done it on purpose and things like that so the playing roster may be set, but there's still no resolve to the coaching problem identified in Nepal New Zealand's own review. Despite the August deadline, no coach has been appointed, although rumours are rife. Former Silver Fern and Lightning coach Nolene Thodor will get the job once their season is over. We have some really good candidates in the mix. It's obviously a really important process for Netball New Zealand. We must get this one right. And it remains confidential, but um, we have some really good people that we're speaking with and we hope to be able to announce a coach, whether it be a, a head coach or an interim coach, by the 10th of September. But for defender Katrina Grant, who as captain wore the brunt of the devastating Commonwealth Games result, a new coach is worth the wait. Katrina, sorry, last question. What were your thoughts when Janine Southby resigned? Do you think that... That was the right decision. Um, yes. The Silver Ferns are set to face world number two England in the quad series in Auckland on September 15th. Motehotako te pone, 
Koravinda Hunia Aho. You're listening to Extra Time. New Zealand cricket this week confirmed Gary Stead as the new coach of the Black Caps. A former top-order batsman for Canterbury who played five test matches in 1999, Stead steps into the role after Mike Hesson's surprise resignation in June. The 46-year-old's promotion comes after six seasons as head coach at Canterbury, while prior to that he spent several years at the helm of the national women's team. Stead told sports reporter Clay Wilson that taking charge of the Black Caps was the logical next step in his career. When you're playing, all I ever wanted to do was play for New Zealand and then as you go into to coaching, I, I guess you naturally find out whether it's the career path for you and, and I've been coaching now for a long, long time and, and I guess once I finished my playing career and had a look at the White Ferns role and then Canterbury, it was a sort of a logical, I guess, stepping stone but it's never been something until probably more recently that I've, I've looked at really seriously and, and that's a little bit because of the time away as well and, and, and the pressure on families and had a young family then and it probably didn't fit in. How do you intend to balance that? Because obviously it was a big factor for Mike in stepping away. You're a father of two. Yeah. How does that fit in for you? Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I mean it's, it's going to be something that I know Brian Stronach will keep challenging me on is to ensure that I have some balance and consistency in the time. And it doesn't mean I have to be away uh, on every tour as well or, or be involved in it. I, I can have times to step back and that will be about growing other people then as well. So it'll be hard initially I'm sure because you want to be there you want to understand what's going on but then I guess there'll be times that, that I have to keep looking after myself as well because you don't want burnout. Is that part of the reason for this part of the contract in terms of looking elsewhere for specialist coaching and that side of things to perhaps ease the load on you at times? Yeah, I think it's about working out what's best for the Black Caps and, and what do they need. I guess I've been entrusted to lead the ship as such and, 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 and drive the direction, but I've certainly been leaning on other people to ensure that we're getting the best out of all of our support staff to help the Black Caps. And if, if that's other coaches coming in, then, then that's great. We've seen other countries take on head coaches in T20, different head coaches. Yep. Is that something you would see happening, or would it be, be that they would just be supporting you in that role? Oh, I think initially it's probably just a support role, but I'm very open to bringing in different coaches and different people um, to be part of, of our environment. And, and we've got some great people out there who are in the coaching business here. You're Stephen Fleming's, Dan Vittori, Shane Bonds. I mean, they're the people that come to mind that have obviously played a lot for New Zealand and they've got great mana as well. So I think for me, I'd be stupid not to try and use them in some way. Developing your relationship with Kane is obviously going to be key. So how do you intend to go about that? Just sitting down with Kane, understanding him, understanding where he wants to take this team, understanding where I want to take the team, and then I guess finding the common ground for us to, to work together on that as well. So I know he is he's team first, as am I, so we'll be doing everything we can to, I'm sure, to run a, a smooth transition in this time as well and, and to not upset or change the things that have been really, really successful for the team as well. Mike and a lot of other coaches have come into this role with the team perhaps struggling and not doing so well. You come into an environment where the team's had success. Is that something you've pondered? Uh, it's a little bit of a probably a different challenge but I think as a coach you, you have to be able to be adaptable to, to different times and look let's hope it doesn't happen but there might be times when we're struggling a wee bit as well and, and you need to shift your approach so it's about the ability to read the situation I think and, and work out how do I need to behave and 
how do we take the ship forward from here? Nine months until a World Cup, is that the priority to get things in line for that and put the focus on that? As a medium term goal, yeah definitely, there's probably some short term things which is more around relationships than that for, from the very start um, but yeah, the the World Cup is a pinnacle event for New Zealand cricket, we, we want to do well in it and I like the, the, the talent and, and the way we've been playing and I give us a good chance. That was Gary Stead speaking to Clay Wilson. Stead's first day in the role will be September 1st. Women in Sport Aotearoa has appointed its first chief executive, respected sports administrator Rachel Froggatt. Her job's to help increase female leadership in sports. So how is she planning to do that? She told Susie Ferguson what she wants to achieve with her time in the role. It's actually a massive privilege to be given this position. I'm very conscious of the kind of weight of responsibility of being the first ever chief executive of Women in Sport Aotearoa. And I think that we have such a wonderful four-year window to make real change in the New Zealand sporting scape because we are also the host nation for the International Working Group for Women on Sport as well, which means we will be hosting around a 1,000 movers and shakers in 2022 in Auckland um, from all over the world who will be coming in to see what we've achieved. Why do you think women's sport is less popular or less revered? I think there's some real, uh, it's a very complicated question and I'll tell you why. Because there's a number of societal, cultural and systemic issues at work all at the same time. So when you think about the changes that have come for women uh, in New Zealand over the last 100 years or so, we've moved so far, 125 if you consider the, the women's suffrage that we're just celebrating Yet there's still some expectation around certain behaviours and we find that through research uh, women and girls, and particularly girls, actually drift out of sport in their early teens. And so one of the challenges we have is to actually create a system around them that actually caters to what they need. And at the moment the system unfortunately is an organic one that's growing you know, off the back mm-hmm. of men's sport. So what changes do you want to try to implement, especially kind of quick hits that might turn this around? I think it's, it's an interesting one. I, I was going to tell a little personal story actually. When I was first looking at the job a couple of weeks ago and I was thinking about whether it would be the right thing for me, I was in the playground with my little god nieces and they're four and five and any parents listening will understand this. They were running around like crazy, crazy animals and they were jumping and they were, they were leaping and they were everywhere and the absolute joy that I saw from them and, and the way that they were really playing was so wonderful to see and I couldn't help but think in 10 years or so the research will, shows us that they will drift out of sport, they will feel undervalued, they will feel less visible, they will feel like it's not important for them to be involved in physical activity and I found that really heartbreaking. So. The big changes for me really will be looking at working collaboratively across the entire sports sector but also major stakeholders across government, media and business to look at how we create an environment that really grows and supports uh, girls and women uh, in in their sporting and uh, recreation choices. Women in Sport Aotearoa inaugural Chief Executive Rachel Froggett. And that's extra time for this week. Follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. I'm Barry Guy. Bye for now. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. 
Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.